Most businesses today face two major marketing challenges. One, people are overloaded by information. We're talking about over 5 billion pieces of new content every day. And two, people have much shorter attention spans and spend only about 8 seconds on anything before they jump on to the next thing. It's no wonder that companies are struggling to get their message heard. The result of poor marketing communication is that 70% of all venture-backed companies are failing, according to CV Insights. Hi, I'm Shlomi Ron, co-founder at the Visual Storytelling Institute, based here in sunny Miami, Florida. We help marketers like you rise above the communication noise with personalized visual storytelling programs so you can connect better with your audience, empower their lives, and grow faster your company. Welcome to the Visual Storytelling Today Show. This show is your number one source for the latest and most effective visual storytelling strategies you can apply to your business today. From new business storytelling techniques, latest trends in video and infographics, to augmented and virtual reality. Join us every month to meet notable visual storytellers and discover their marketing insights and stories. So as you could imagine, you know, we meet with a lot of clients, we run a, a, a few workshops, and we get a lot of questions about, uh, you know, how can I really find an on my business story? And a kind of a follow-up question to that, they ask us, uh, what are the secret ingredients to make a, a good business story? So with that, uh, we thought it would be a great idea uh, to devote a whole sh- a show for just uh, you know, the power of story. So I have the great pleasure today to speak uh, with Diana Yazijan. She's a business storytelling expert with DFI Consulting. She's coming to us all the way from, uh, as she said, uh, minus four, I guess, uh, Montreal <laughs> in Canada. And Diana has an extensive experience uh, in marketing and technology, helping startups, Fortune 500, retailers, and municipalities. And she provides strategic and hands-on training uh, on social media, brand storytelling, uh, and stand-on content, and thinking like the customer. And this is really the holy grail. How can we wear the hat of the customer and tell compelling stories? So with that, uh, welcome to the Visual Storytelling Today Show, Diana. Thank you, Shlomi. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here, even if I'm not on your end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. Soon, we, maybe soon. Yeah, we definitely should plan a, an in-person meeting. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. So, Happy to be here. Happy to talk about my passion. Excellent. Yeah. And we, I know Diana, you know, like anybody that's uh, is following a was going out there. I'm following a variety of podcasts and I came across her, one of her interviews. Uh, and I think it was a brand storytelling, uh, an Australian podcast, which was kind of really caught my attention. And I thought uh, it could be fantastic to bring her to our show and so she could share her wisdoms because she started with storytelling way, way before the craze started. Before it was called storytelling. Exactly. Exactly. So with that, maybe why don't you tell our audience a little bit about how, but how, what is your backstory with business storytelling? I know that you had some tremendous work with Orange France over 10 years ago So with storytelling. So maybe walk us through that. Thank you, Shlomi. I'd love to. Uh, I, I'm part of the uh, internet bubble generation. Uh, so I started working in e-marketing. That's how we called it at the time. And yes, we did have to tell stories 
in order to engage with uh, the customers who were not used to browsing websites. So instead of having a brochure, we, we thought of uh, personas and, 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 and told the story of personas within consumption, within context of consuming a product. Right. But it, it, it was mostly a sales pitch, a sales uh, technique, which it wasn't really thought out as story. And, uh, but it was my first uh, contact with the technique. And then I really got an awakening when uh, I started, uh, I was still in Canada at the time, working mm -hmm. in CRM projects. And uh, we had a big challenge with CRM systems. We couldn't successfully implement them. And I realized why. Mm -hmm. The reason is because we never explained to the teams why we're doing this. Oh, uh, front, from the front line to, you know, the entire value chain was not in the project so we had trouble having everyone excited and uh, they lacked the story they lacked uh, the reasons why we were all of a sudden putting lots of focus on crm and that uh, that aha moment happened right before uh, i was leaving for france and started mm -hmm. working for orange so I, I said you know what I think I'm going to try to explore the why a little further and mm -hmm. yep. in my own projects. Yeah, start with the why, right? <laughs> it starts with, and not the letter, but W-H-Y, yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so as you were kind of starting kind of pretty much to, you know, pave your uh, journey with storytelling in the early days yes. and the tremendous uh, work that you've done since then, so one of the you know, common questions we ask our uh, speakers is, how would you define visual storytelling? So I'm kind of curious because you've, you, you've gone a long way since you started. So I'm sure you have you know, developed your own definition by now. Well, actually, I never really uh, put both together in the same definition, visual storytelling. And uh -huh. I, I tend to go with your own definition, Shlomi. Okay. <laughs> I'm flattered. <laughs> it's, it, absolutely. Let's keep it simple. It's simple. It's straightforward. It's a visual narrative. So you have to be able to tell a story without using words. If you right. can do that, if you can be good at visually compelling story mm -hmm. without using words, you've nailed it. You know, yeah. words, words are an extra, I think they're just, a, and, and I think that we, we need more visual storytelling more than ever, because what we do is during the day is we are um, multitasking, right. Time, right. And we can't always listen to the story mm -hmm. as we're doing something else. However, we can visual, we can have visual contact with the story. Absolutely. So if the narrative written, is as good quality as the visual narrative we've done well right right so and i'm just going to remind uh, you know the the audience the viewers and listeners that you mentioned our definition our definition about uh, visual storytelling is simply a new well it's been with us for a while but now it's a you know gained some traction it's it's basically a marketing strategy that has three components one is that you put your that uh, use uh, the three-act story structure, the setting conflict resolution. Two, that you put your uh, customer as the hero of the story, so it's not about the brand, the brand is just uh, the guide. And three, that you use a visual medium to communicate it through. Uh, and, and that's our working definition <laughs> to get uh, people understand uh, 
what is it? Because we found, I, I'm wondering if you are seeing this with your clients, when you tell them that, uh, especially marketers, you know, story is a three-act structure, you know, setting conflict resolutions for a lot of people is a major revelation. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and it's been around since Aristotle. So yeah. it, it's just that we've never, well, I mean, if you want to get right into it, I, I'd be happy to. I, I, yeah. I, define, I define a five-step approach, and it's, it's not visual or not visual. It's storytelling. It's a five-step yeah. approach. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, before describing it, let me just say one thing about that approach. It solicits uh, aptitudes that you don't use mm -hmm. ordinarily in your business day. Right. So that's why it seems new because we're not trained that way. Right. We're wired to listen to stories, however. We, are, we all are wired to listen to stories. We love the comfortable setting of a story, right. but we're not wired to create them. That's an important point. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's the entire education that you mentioned, Shlomi, about educating them on how to become wired. Now, if I tell you the five-step approach, you'll understand that you don't gain the aptitudes to create this overnight. It takes time. Right. So the, the step one is first to, uh, to describe your persona. And this, the persona will be the main character of your story. Yep. And most of the time, who is the persona? It's the client, right? Yep. And by defining a persona is not as in the old marketing school, which is having a sociodemographic description of your persona. That's way too easy, and we know how to do this very well by right. now, right? Yep. It goes, it goes quite a little deeper, and it will actually be more um, – Intrusive. You have mm -hmm. to be well aware of your persona's value systems, lifestyles, motivational triggers, yep. um, emotional background. I mean, name it. And how do you get your clients to find this information? Ah, glad you <laughs> asked. <laughs> My first experiment with this mm -hmm. uh, consisted in sitting down with, uh, with my, art, my target audience, mm -hmm. sitting virtually physically down with my target audience, open-ended questions, mm. uh, with, you know, somewhat structured, but not survey-type questions, really right. open-ended, feel comfortable, lounge-type of setting. Right. We want to instill trust, and we also want to instill stress-free environment. Yep. That's the best way. And um, I mean, it's something that I, I, I don't want to sound, um, I don't want to sound uh, less humble by saying this, but I've always had, I've always had an ease at speaking and conversing with people and mm. getting the truth out. <laughs> yeah, no, that's an important expertise to without have. Without torture, without torture, I, yeah. I, I precise. And I, 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 because I fundamentally, I love people. Mm -hmm. it's, it, that has always been, I cannot not work without people. Yep. If, I spend, if I spend three days by myself working on a report, I will go berserk. Yep. I need to step out and go to a networking event, meet other like-minded mm -hmm. or So that's the first basic rule is you have to be interested in people. Yep. What makes them get up in the morning? What are their tics? Right. What are their triggers? 
So that's the first step to get to know your persona from the bottom and then get, go your way up that way. And quick question. Are you also doing indirect uh, research, like checking, you know, social, what they're talking about, or you're just focusing on the direct route? Both. And thank you for reminding me because yep. that is definitely yep. even that the workshops I build are, mm-hmm. are a lot, a lot um, more often um, based on observations in uh, Facebook groups, for example. Right. How do people converse? What yep. are their issues at the moment? It's very emotional yep. a lot of yep. the time. You get what I call golden nuggets to nurture your, uh, your narrative. No. So that's the first step. Uh-huh. The, second, the second step is um, that, uh, what do you call it, three-part structure. Um, Focusing the conflict. The, well, well, first is you got to know who the audience is. Yep. That's the first thing. And then you got to create your persona. Because the thing is, it's very easy to get submerged in so many, uh, so many characteristics of your persona that you're going to want to show all of them. Right. That is too much for the brain to process. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to really highlight two, three, four tops traits and yep. stick with those for the rest of the story. Right. Okay? Um, number, number one is visioning. I didn't mention that, but that is so important. The, the visioning by that is more of a business, um, a business uh, framework. What do I want to achieve with my story? You mm-hmm. always need to be able to write it down. Do you want to get more sales? Do you want to get more awareness? Do you want to uh, get buy-in from your audience to adhere to a certain policy? Please write this down. It will be your narrative that you should stick on the wall. So these are, in other words, these would be your business objectives, basically, for the story. For the story. Not business objective as a whole. Absolutely. And it should be in the back, and everyone should be aware of that, made aware of that. Yep. So once you have that, you define your audience, you stick to two, three, four attributes, traits of your audience. And I yep. mean, emotional traits, intellectual traits, lifestyle traits. And then you create, like you said, the three-part structure. Mm-hmm. And that three-part structure, um, you know, I've been hearing a lot lately, uh, bloggers, bloggers on YouTube saying, you know, you don't need this as a, in a story. And you know, I get where they're coming from. But I think they're unconsciously, they, they're, they don't realize that they are themselves doing the three-act structure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but some of them do it very quickly. It's, it's almost in one scene, but there is, you can actually pinpoint it. It's always there. Right. Because that's how we're wired. And, and we're, we're expecting this, you know? Um, so the three-part structure is what? There's a conflict to, to begin with. And the conflict is uh, not necessarily a war. It could, be, it could mean that there's a gap between uh, what you're feeling. Yep. A gap in expectation. An expectation. Yep. Uh, it could be that there's a, you know, a feeling of uneasiness. There's, there's something. There's something yep. that you want to solve, that you want to find a solution for. And then, and then number two, act to choose, we have the solution. And uh, this is how we're going to present it that will allow you to feel better. Right. And number three is the outcome, is everyone, yeah. everyone lives happily ever after. Now, it's one of, of those... Kind of interesting that you, you said that uh, number two is the resolution and, and three is the outcome. I thought you, typically they, they go hand in hand, like as, as a one part. Well, no. 
because you need to see the deployment. You mm -hmm. need the satisfaction of seeing how oh, oh, people I got will it. benefit from the end yeah. story. So basically, I use the word reward for the, the word outcome. But I go. guess that's what you mean. Yep. That's exactly what I mean. And yep. we, we call those in, in storytelling land, the story spine, yep. where you have once upon a time, there are six or seven. Once right. upon a time, there was a family. Yep. Every day they would do this. And then one day, whoops, issue. Uh, because of that, we needed to find a solution. Until finally that solution arrived. And then every since that day, they've been living nice and peaceful lives. Right. Ever since that day is what you were saying, that reward aspect. Yep. That um, you absolutely need to show yep. in order to make sure that your audience visualizes. Okay. Um, now, having said this, uh, since I've used storytelling in different settings, which were not all marketing, mm -hmm. they were less sexy, actually. There were settings where we had to implement policy or mm -hmm. new financial standards. I, I'm not, I didn't always have that last spine, mm -hmm. which is ever since that day. I left it open ended so that my, the teams could actually come up with how they would be feeling at the end of this wow. and describing them in their own words. There, there are certain scenes that I would leave blank just to stimulate discussion within the teams. Absolutely. And then, and then that would actually feel as if they owned it. Mm. Yep. You know? Yep. Yeah. That's a great uh, strategy. And, and but that's only, I'm sorry to interrupt. That's only a strategy where you're in a work setting, when you're in yeah. a brainstorming session. You can't do that on advertising or when it's one-ended. You know, in one-ended, you have to finish the story. What, one kind of follow-up question about the reward that you were talking about. Yes. Obviously, what you describe is uh, in a, just uh, help me picture uh, how would I feel like using your product or service in case of success, but do you also use the other side of reward? Like what would happen if I'm not gonna use your solution? <laughs> um, you can. Right. But, uh, but <laughs> you want to keep a positive flow to the story. Right. Um, I'm not saying it's not effective. Fear can be effective. Yep. Yeah, I know that, uh, you know, if you're familiar with the, there's a whole philosophy about inadequacy marketing that's based on fear and that's been done forever. And now there's a switch to empowerment. So I, I, my opinion is that, you know, uh, showing uh, the negative uh, rewards is almost, you, you need to treat it like, uh, like spices in your story. You don't want to go wild, so you create a sense of fear. It's really like seasoning that you kind of pepper here and there just to kind of get your audience <laughs> to understand, you know, what are the stakes, basically, because... I like, I like the metaphor, the spicy <laughs> metaphor. <laughs> you, must, you, must, you must cook with a lot of spices for me. <laughs> yeah, we're, I cook every night with a lot of spices. So you can I, I can guess that much, yeah. Yes, yes, you're right, you're right, you're right. But I, I have to say that fear does, is effective in certain, uh, in certain stories uh, where you want to sensitize on very, very 
um, hard, hardcore fats like uh, tobacco or yep. alcohol. And I mean, they've used it and they will keep on using it because it, it, it is effective. Absolutely. It is effective. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you were saying, you know, in the beginning, uh, as part of your five uh, step approach that uh, you cover a variety of business objectives, you know, it could be awareness, sales. Uh, do you, do you find it like you kind of follow the entire uh, buyer's journey in terms of uh, like awareness, uh, you know, acquisition, uh, advocacy? Do, do you find that your story changes based on the stage in the buyer's journey? Oh, um, well, until now, I've used storytelling uh, in, let me just tell you the context in which I use them. Yep. So I, I used it to uh, create awareness about the company's presence on the market. That was mm -hmm. the first thing. There's no, no selling involved. It's just, uh, it's, it's awareness. Yep. And it's, this time it focuses, it, there's always a persona, which is the client, but, yep. but then you have sub, sub characters and one is just to present the company newcomer and landscape. It will be about the company values. Okay. Mm -hmm. Less than about a solution. Right. To the product, to the consumer. Um, when it comes to more of the benefits of a product, yes, then it's very much zoom in on mm -hmm. the consumer uh, characteristics. And then you also have the context where you're transforming the organization. Mm. Uh, and then in that case, you're focusing on workplace situations, situations where there are areas of improvement. You bring them back to, to, the, to the act one and act two, and then the outcome is how everyone lives much better within the new policy. Yep. So it always follows that same sequence. You always have, and you know, that's a challenge because, well, from what I could, I saw around me, um, you, you, you really have to discipline yourself to comply with that structure. You are tempted to. To break it. <laughs> yes, you are. And you think that, eh, it's no big deal. It is because you are, you are toying with our brains. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're compromising the effectiveness of your story. Absolutely. So, so, so after running through several contexts, like various contexts with the, your clients, what would you say is like the, the common misconception uh, business leaders have about business storytelling uh, and its value to change it? Well, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, the, it's the myopia, product myopia again. Uh, they think that the story it is about their product. Mm. So the product. It's it's a it's a classic. <laughs> it's a classic. Uh, the 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 cartoon that uh, the illustration that has been uh, uh, widely used in in uh, storytelling workshops is the, the the dad telling a bedtime story to the kids mm -hmm. and saying, well, "Let me just read it to you." It's, it, it 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 really exemplifies what I'm what I'm what I'm telling you. And uh, the, the brand is new and improved now with 50% more claims than the leading brand. Consumers lived happily ever after the end. <laughs> um, so it's a, it's a yes, it is a parody, but at the same time, it reflects reality. We always have to, uh, we always confront it with that, and that's my battle. 
it's my giggly battle, is always to bring them back in the persona's uh, scheme of things and saying, okay, this is how your persona lives. And I get, I give them, when I'm, when I'm presenting the approach before actually writing the story, I give a name to my persona. I create mm. an, I create an attachment to that persona. That's important. I, yeah. I want that persona to be on everyone's lips mm-hmm. so that the, so that the, the, the CEO and the marketer and, and the business dev guy could, could slowly detach themselves from the yep. product or the yeah. service and really start saying, Hmm, what would Susan think? You know, and then it becomes, that's to me is a transformation. It's like a the, presence. It's somebody I know actually. It's someone that, and they probably do. And by the way, they do know her because wow. it's not a random description. <laughs> I did base Susan on my observations internally right. at the client side and also on what's being said on social. So they're very familiar with Susan, you know. So the more we repeat about Susan's wants and ills and all that, the more they're, they're anchoring and they're integrating that into their own mindset. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like having a, you know, your best friend. So you know everything about him or her. And you can expect certain behaviors from that uh, person because you know her so, so closely. So absolutely. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. 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 I'm kind of curious, you know, uh, yeah. like anybody else that, uh, you know, been doing any particular task, you know, sometimes you, you, you succeed, sometimes you fail any kind of a interesting failure that <laughs> you experienced that you learned something really important about business storytelling that told you, wow, this is really a revelation. Yeah. I need to change my, my something in, in the way I work. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I, I think the fact that I, uh, um, until now I've been lucky, so to speak, because I've been, um, I've been working as a solo artist. <laughs> so it's, no, it's great. You know, yeah, I'm writing my own stories and then presenting them to, to the client and the client tweaks it. But then um, lately, it's just been more of a team thing. Yeah. And, and that's great. It's great for me because it allows me to, uh, to question certain parts of my processes. And I think that's very healthy. And um, one thing that I, I really can take away of my team uh, uh, experiences is that you need absolutely need to nail uh, the process ex- explaining the process from the outset right no bypass uh, you cannot bypass this step not allowed it really 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 needs to be owned by everyone and uh, so the five step that I described from um, envisioning to narrative yeah. so that they can understand this is what we're working towards and and if they have any doubts, any questions that you know you you're there to, to to answer their their questions and 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 discuss if they're you know if they're not familiar with certain parts of it because it is quite creative when you come to think of it right right no no for sure so just going back to your comment about uh, the five steps so I I assume that part is really the in our context, we call it the story making because you focus on creating the story. But 
yeah, typical engagement, I would assume you have a discovery where you're capturing requirements from the client, and then you move on to uh, create uh, the five-step process. Is your deliverable stops at the, at, at the business story, or you move on to work with other people to visualize it? And that's part of the other failure that you're... Oh, okay. <laughs> nice, nice transition. <laughs> yeah, I, just um, me. <laughs> I, I asked to be involved until the final product. So mm. from, from the story narrative to the final um, output. It can be illustration. I've, I've worked with illustration. I've worked with video. I've worked with both uh, support. So... I asked to be involved, and, and some of the times I actually hired uh, the videographer, yep. and, and then I work alongside. So my, uh, my learning curve was with the videography world. It, it's really, uh, like we talked about this already, Shlomi, it, from, from what's in your head to how it's going to look in a video format, right. it's day and night. Yep. And, and that I learned the hard way. So when you, how did I learn the hard way? Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had my storyboard nailed, personas were all cleanly defined, right. I, the bubbles, everything, you know? And, and I even had my audio requirements, uh, backdrop requirements, everything. I really made sure that videographer can, can work with that. And, but a videographer has his own experience and his own background and his own vision and perception of things. Yeah. So now I never separate the two. I mm. work in tandem with yep. videographer till the end. That's interesting. Because, because what happened, and, I, and, and uh, I'm sure lots of storytellers can relate, is I give him that nice little package deliverable uh, and then he, he goes in hibernation <laughs> yep. or he goes with, he films on site and I come in, is everything going? Okay, great. I, I go back to what I was doing. I get the final product and I'm in total shock mm. because in my mind, that's not at all the ambiance I had envisioned, right. the scenery I had envisioned. Mm. And then I realized, Hey, we have two backgrounds, two sets of experiences. And yeah. it's rich, and it's a wonderful opportunity to grow together. That's now how I see it, you know? Yeah, the way we kind of uh, try to make the transition from story making to visualizing is really that we always say story making is really the output is, is what we call the meta story. It's really like the DNA of the, of the brand or whoever you represent. And once you transition to the story visualizing, you're looking for mini stories that support your meta story. So it's not going to be the same story, but it's going to be supporting examples. So it could be, you know, dramatizing uh, some event with the customers, with vendors, with partners, but it will be still within the umbrella of the meta story. So there is a connection, but I, I totally can relate to that because the script of a video is definitely going to be an extension of the overarching story that you are making. Absolutely. Yeah, that has to be preserved. It has yeah. to be, it, yeah. it's, it's the spinal cord, you know. Exactly, exactly. So, can you give us just a few examples maybe of the great business stories, you know, clients that you work in the past or 
companies you work for. Just to kind of uh, paint a picture in the audience's mind of uh, what success looks like. Absolutely. Well, I can give you two of my own and two that I've seen in circulation that I found are really yeah. groundbreaking. So um, the first one dates back a few years, and that was uh, envisioning a new service totally that did not exist at the time. And uh, we were asked to produce um, scenes of usage. And um, so I was handed the requirements of the, what the different features of that service would look like. It was very in innovative, by the way. It was like uh, we're in the social media presence where before they even existed. So we were toy we were had those lists of features that all looked really great on paper but i said if i'm going to use this to convince two executive committees one in england and one in france to invest a certain amount of money um i'm not going to make it because it's very it, it, it's 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 on paper it doesn't mean a thing so i i acted up on my fantasy and i said let's just put life to these situations but it probably doesn't exist we'll make it exist create mock-ups we'll do this so i i created 10 10 uh 10 scenes mm -hmm. uh with different montages one for england so we had the two-story you know buses yep. and one from france in different uh you know, the ocean in urban setting uh -huh. and really had our audiences who were senior executives and I, I spied, I, I asked their secretaries to send me a little bit of their lifestyles and remember the persona? Well, yep. <laughs> I, had to, I had to be up to the challenge, right? So I made sure that the personas were in, in good rapport with their own lives mm -hmm. so that the engagement is probable, that they, can feel, they can feel compelled. And uh, that's how I got my first break. <laughs> oh, wow. So I presented those stories uh, to UK and France. The project was approved and we went on to produce, to making the product. Oh, that's fantastic. And, yeah. I, and I could see it in their eyes, just like as I saw that same light in people's eyes when I was um, presenting situations, this time it was cartoon. The first, uh, by the way, the, for the product, the service, mm -hmm. it was video format. I see. And for the transformation project where we had, we're implementing new policy, that mm. was illustration format. They're still on my slide chair and they look very old, but they're very, very recent in terms of. Yeah, it's very relatable. Uh, the tone, the, yeah. And I there like I would present those scenes yeah. and some of them I would keep open-ended. And then something happened where I would, as I was telling the stories, that were real life stories, by the way, mm depicting real life problems i could see the attention just zooming in at first they were all a little distracted you know they're big groups big groups of engineers and technicians and and then the more i got into the story it, there was some tone involved you know it's like i could tell that they were all concentrated on what what was happening next yeah and at this point i say okay i get it they need this in order to start the conversation and start engaging and then the ultimate reward as you say is what is have them integrate the new changes into their work yeah, so yeah my work was that yeah 
this is amazing. I mean, it is. It is. It's, and, it's and like now, magic I, sometimes when you see it, the engagement created. Uh, the way, since I'm a visual guy, you know, I, yeah. I always imagine like a, like a vortex that's being created, and your audience is coming through that directly to their story because they can see themselves in that story. And it's underestimated. Yep. It's underestimated in the business world. I stress that. And one thing we have not talked about before I give the, another industrial example, um, Google example, which uh -huh. really was the best one to my, to my humble opinion. The secret sauce here is not just stimulated the neurons because that's what I've been reading a lot lately. And it's not that I disagree and, you know, some, some nice authors have been sensitizing the public yep. now on, hey, you know what happens in your brain when you're listening to stories? I like hearing that. That's music to our ears. Yep. However, it's not just the fact that it triggers neurons because it can, but they won't have an effect. It won't have the desired outcome. Right. Why? Why? Because it's not memorized. And the only way to memorize a story is to be sure to be 100% sure that you're touching the right neurons. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and, to, and how do you know you're touching the right neurons? Because your persona has been well studied, has been well uh, observed, and is a reflection of your target audience. Right. And, oh, uh, and it, it's, a, it's a misconception saying, oh, because it triggers neurons, we've done well. No, no, no. That's, that's just the beginning. It's just, uh, it's just a surface. You have to make sure that it's, it's like the a physiological uh, symptom. It's not really what happens. It's like, yeah. So let me give you the example of the Google Cloud Drive to conclude. Yep. Uh, it's the story of a young dad. And uh, hey, all of a sudden, uh, half the population is not concerned with this story. <laughs> but it's the young dad. And it hit young dad working in an ad agency. Whoop. We're just targeting even more. He's, uh, he's, he's been uh, addictively taking photos of his, uh, of his newborn. Uh -huh. and, and like we can all relate. And at one point, he, uh, he forgets his phone in the cab. So you can see the conflict happening. Mm. And there's music, also a backdrop. Everything was perfectly orchestrated. And then he comes home, realizes the phone is, uh, is missing, and panic sets in. Perfectly uh, translated, by the way. How do you? How, I mean, they had a crew probably uh, uh, analyzing how to set in panic in, right. in, in two point five seconds. Yeah, <laughs> it was magic. Mm -hmm. And then someone reminds him that he had Google Drive, mm. Google, Google Photos, and it was all solved uh, because he could find his entire album. It wasn't. It wasn't the phone. The issue wasn't the phone. It was the photos and that's that's what they that's who they were talking to right so it's kind of that. real life examples that everybody can relate to and the technology mm -hmm. solution is really part of the story exactly exactly yeah. Yeah. and the, it's the new dad working in an urban setting there are many of those in circulation right now in their 30s yeah. you know it's not a minority so they were actually very clever in targeting that profile specifically not the hipster going out in the bar. No, 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 no. The dad, the young dad who is still in an urban setting. So that to me is one of the best um, scenarios yeah. depicting the three-act story. 
absolutely and, and we keep preaching in our uh, workshops basically that how do you know your story is successful is the moment it stops becoming your story and becoming your audience story because they can say hey that's me in that story you're talking about my story my pain point and that's where the transition become and it stops becoming a an, an ad and becomes like a personal story that can absolutely you own it yeah you own yep. it you become and the kpi for this is what the kpi is that person listening will mm -hmm. be the ambassador <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> to every other dad in their environment it's yeah like, you see this ad do you have google photo you should get your google photo yeah i'll, I'll send you the link to youtube you'll understand why <laughs> that's your best kpi <laughs> exactly. But, and speaking about KPIs, do you typically measure your success or ask to provide some success criteria? I, I want I want to, I want to be in, involved in that. Yes, I, uh -huh. it can be the number of subscriptions. Uh, it can be the sales flow. It can be the leads. Right. It can be the, the number of people uh, integrating new policy. Uh, it, you know, so, so it takes a few weeks, sure. months in order to be able to uh, do a, a cause and effect, Got it. like a solid cause and effect relationship. So you don't, don't get out of the contract right, right away. Once you've delivered the story, stick around <laughs> and, and, ask, and ask to be involved in those, uh, in, in those uh, dashboard meetings if you can. Because then you have case studies that fuel your next client. That's another thing it's important to consider. But so, not, a, not, not every client's the same. Some will, will be the, you know, will be open to that. Others will say, no, thank you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, the data is super sensitive. So that's exactly. the thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So obviously, you know, you've gone a, a very long journey with storytelling. So any predictions to what's going to happen next? You know, the future of business storytelling, you know, when you look at say, the technology, changing in front of us, you know, all the rage about fake news right now. <laughs> yeah, well, there, I think there, there, there's, there's one uh, futuristic uh, trend that's already deploying today is mm -hmm. people are becoming increasingly aware, self-aware. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's a criteria. If you, want, if you want to start telling stories in your business, you have to be self-aware, you have to be open to context and to others. That mm -hmm. sounds very philosophical, but it, it shows right away when that mindset is already present within the, within the business. If you think that you know everything about the customer before starting storytelling, I can assure you most of the time it's not the case. You really have to take the measure of what's around you. Okay, what context are we in? How is our customer feeling at this point? Um, are, are, are there any threats in the horizon? Be aware that these are core ingredients to good stories. That's going to stick around for the foreseeable future. In order to create a good story, you always need to get to the bottom of your persona and get awareness to the contextual challenges. Yeah. And you also have to be uh, willing to be transparent, uh, mm -hmm. certain authenticity, uh, 
you know, let go a little bit of that marketing world that uh, yeah. we all so dearly love uh, because now people expect it. They expect the vulnerability and imperfection. Yes. And, yes. and, and lastly, uh, make it always about the other, less about you, always about the other. By ricochet, it will be about you, but mm -hmm. make it about your client. It's like I say, you have to keep on repeating that. That to me is the futurist immediate trend that us uh, storytellers need to continue uh, disseminating. Okay? Absolutely. And, that, and number two, for the, uh, to bring it back to technology, I think what's going on right now is really interesting. I've seen, um, uh, I think it was a TED Talk, it, someone from BBC who was uh, talking about, uh, let me just give you the right terms, visual perception and future narrative. So uh, what he's been saying is that we're cutting stories now in bits, little bits. And from, the, from those little bits, we are adapting them uh, to setting. So it, it, it's very, it's like a mashable of sorts. <laughs> and it's very interesting. And for example, you got, you have this, uh, this great narrative, you know, it's effective, but you also know that you can use it in different contexts. Are you going to use the same backdrop, the same audio, right. the same clothes, according to if you're at the airport versus the train station versus your home? Perhaps not. And we all know that we're sensitive. We have different senses, right? And that would be interesting if uh, technology allows us to uh, adapt to different bits according to context. Absolutely. So you, you threw a ton of tips to our audience, but if you need to kind of uh, narrow it down to three, which one would you say? Somebody want to get started with business storytelling, your top three Okay, so first is be more aware of the motivational triggers of the human being. Yep. Okay, that is, that is fundamental. Um, uh, when you decide to go storytelling, let everyone know within the organization. Mm. So you have a full buy-in from everybody. Don't yep. make it a silo. That's, yep. uh, that's number one trap. Mm -hmm. Explain what storytelling is and let everyone know that you'll be mapping out a project around that. It's a pilot and we want everyone in. That's number three, number three, I would say, depending on the size of your company, uh, be familiar with filmography techniques. Uh, not become an expert, just be familiar with the trends. Uh, uh, I know that I've learned a great deal working hand in hand with my videographer. Mm -hmm. and, and I remember when I was first started working in the web marketing, I took uh, six months of JavaScript just to understand coding mm. and, and also to be able to discuss with the coder. So it's a little the same principle, you know, uh, don't disconnect from the uh, final result and how you get there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, these are all great tips and cannot agree more with your suggestions I, I every day uh, in our work. So, yeah, so I want to thank you so much for, you know, sharing so much uh, great advice and wisdoms about storytelling. Pleasure. Yeah, and I'm so happy. For, for our audience who want to contact with you, how can they do that? Okay, right now they can go to my Facebook page at mm -hmm. DFY Consulting. Okay. D F like for 
Ferdinand. <laughs> or Frank, yeah. <laughs> Frank? <laughs> A usual Frank always standing for F. For some reason, I wanted it more yeah. Uh, theatrical. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and why for Yazidian, my last name? Consulting? Got it. Or I'm also, I'm also on Twitter. Uh, they could uh, message me, follow me there. I'd be happy. Just keep on following me wherever you are so we could stay in touch. And there's uh, always LinkedIn at uh, Diana Yazidian where you can connect with me there. there awesome. Go. So thank you again. And for you, the audience, you know, we're going to obviously create a, a show notes with all the great information that uh, Diana shared with us today, including some of the visual examples she talked about. And as you know, don't let the market uh, write the story for you. Take control and own your story. See you next time. Thank you. Visual Storytelling Today is recorded in Miami, Florida. The show is published exclusively by Visual Storytelling Institute. Learn more at visualstorytell.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on the iTunes Store. Until next time, don't let your big story wait to be told.